Hallelujah. You may be seated. And Easter blessings and welcome to all the peeps who are celebrating with us today. And, and by the way, do you know what the uh, Easter Bunny's favorite kind of music is? Hip hop. It's hip hop. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, I think we picked the wrong church. <laughs> uh, but kidding aside, uh, you know, when I think that uh, three Easter Sundays ago, uh, this church house was completely empty, I am even more grateful for this day and for all of you, and I wish you the Lord's blessing as we do celebrate uh, his resurrection here today. And, uh, uh, during recent uh, phone conversations uh, with my cousin David, who also happens to be a Lutheran uh, pastor, uh, he asked me the question, uh, what are you planning to preach about on Easter this year? And I said, uh, well, I think I'm going to go with the resurrection. Uh, I will leave David's response to your imagination. Uh, but in fact, uh, it is a, an answer that I have also given to a, a number of colleagues, including the musicians of St. Andrew, uh, who have been curious about uh, what exactly I plan to say about the resurrection uh, this time around. And, uh, and frankly, in spite of my snarky response, it is actually a very good question. And that's because in part, uh, the four New Testament gospels all tell the story of Easter. But they all have slightly different versions of that story from different perspectives, you know, from different points of view of that same one reality. And they all kind of complement each other in order to reach us in a variety of different ways. And so, for example, uh, Matthew, in his version of the story, he talks about that earthquake that took place on Easter Sunday morning. And sure enough, uh, geologists do tell us that there was in fact an earthquake in the Middle East at about that time. And I have a friend who loves to preach about the earthquake and how the resurrection rocks the whole world. Matthew's also the one who says that uh, Easter took place at the end of the Sabbath because Matthew was writing to a primarily Jewish audience for whom the Sabbath would have been a very important thing. Luke, by contrast, in his version of Easter, says that it happened on the first day of the week because he was writing to a primarily non-Jewish audience uh, for whom the Sabbath would have been kind of unfamiliar, or at least unimportant. Luke, in his version of the story, also gives us that great question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Which is just such a fabulous graveside setup for the news that would transform the lives of the women at the tomb. And speaking of which, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about a group of women who go to the tomb of Jesus that day, while John, in his version of the story, and as you just heard, zeroes in on just one. One individual who in Mark's version of Easter is described as a one-time victim of demons until Jesus chased away the demons from her life. All four uh, speak of the stone that was rolled away. And I preached about that stone as a metaphor for whatever it is that stands between you 
and the life that God has for you. And, and all four of them uh, contain a wide range of emotional responses to what happened on that glorious day. My personal favorite of which is in Matthew's version of the story where he says uh, that the women were afraid but filled with joy. Which actually describes how a lot of married people I know describe their wedding day. You know what I mean? Afraid but filled with joy. Anyway, I think you get the idea. And all of it leaves me wondering, what would your version of Easter be like today from your point of view, from your perspective, you know, this time around. When I think about Easter, uh, when I was a kid growing up, you know, it, it was a great day that began with that, you know, basket that was waiting for me out on the dining room table, you know, filled with, you know, chocolate bunnies, and I would bite the heads off those bunnies. And there were eggs and little gifts and, you know, a little bit of cold, hard cash. And then you get dressed up in your Easter suit and you go off to church where the pews were filled and uh, the solemnity and dreariness of Good Friday was just dramatically transformed with color and life and flowers and uh, great songs and happy people. And after the service, we'd be out on the sidewalk in front of the church and there'd be introductions and, and reunions and people who purchased Easter lilies would go back to retrieve them like a bunch of vultures. And... <laughs> you know, and then it was back to the house for, you know, just a great day of celebration all day long, you know, both parents, all four grandparents, my older brother, other family members and friends who had uh, dropped by, but not before gathering in front of the house for pictures in our finest Easter attire, including my mom's crazy hats. All as a way to memorialize history's greatest day. That may or may not be your version of Easter this time around. And quite frankly, uh, it isn't mine either. Because my version of Easter actually changed. My perspective, my point of view has changed. Because the passing of time resulted in the passing of all four grandparents, both parents, and the older brother, and a number of other people that I've known and I've loved, including members of this church family. Passing of time has also put me uh, in touch with, you know, a good bit of conflict, pain, heartache, uh, some very individualized, uh, some that cut across the worlds of, you know, 9-11 and COVID and a nation at war with itself in a number of ways that I think you could probably think about, in addition to whatever it is that might happen to be brewing in your life this right very minute, right now. And so, to be honest with you, my version of Easter is not the same as it was growing up, biting the heads off chocolate bunnies. It has changed. Which is to say to you, my version of Easter is better than ever. I'm telling you, it is more powerful 
It is more important, it is more meaningful, it is more insightful, it's more impactful, it's uh, more hopeful, it's more joyful, it's more glorious than ever before. Not because what happened on that day has changed, but because my journey has opened my eyes to just what history's greatest day really does mean to me and can mean for all of you here. And I think that, you know, in some ways that may be why of the four versions of Easter that we have in the Gospels, uh, John's version, which you heard today, remains my favorite because of the way it just zooms in to that one relationship. You know, after these 10 verses where, you know, there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of confusion, there's theories about grave robbery, and, and there's this running back and forth you heard about involving Mary and, and Peter and John, but little by little, it all narrows down to one individual, and she is broken down. She is alone. She doesn't know what has happened to the body of her crucified leader. She is weeping. She is isolated. She has to be wondering whether, you know, the Roman soldiers of Pontius Pilate are looking for them, for her. She has to be doubting whether she would be even welcomed back in the synagogue as a follower of Jesus. I mean, the walls have just crashed in on her until that moment when the risen one meets her outside of that grave. And he calls her by her name. And he clears up her confusion. And he speaks life into her so that she would find healing for her wounded soul so that she would be completely transformed into a one-time victim of demons and into the very first proclaimer of the Lord's resurrection as she goes back to the others and says, I've seen him. I've seen the Lord. Hey, what's your version of Easter this time around from your point of view, from your perspective? You know, maybe it's a little bit like Mary and her version of the story. And, and maybe you're wondering, you know, What's going to become of your life? Maybe you're a little confused about Jesus, as she certainly was. And maybe it would be good to just imagine, you know, the voice of the living God speaking to you, calling you by name and saying, you know, hey, I've got you. And you're my child. And that's your identity. And it's better than any identity you're ever going to have. And it comes with power to look at yourself and your life and your future in a completely new and different way. You know, maybe that can be your version of the story today. Maybe you're coming to uh, Easter, uh, you're bringing some guilt with you, you know, because you wrecked something by what you did, by what you said, by what you didn't do or you didn't say. If you are one of those, then what I want to say to you today is that Christ is risen to meet you in the grave of your guilt and to show you that by his cross and resurrection, you are forgiven. You are loved. And you got a new beginning and you got a new start. You, you, all of you.
Maybe that could be your version of the story. There's a lot of people here at St. Andrew know uh, we have had about a year's worth of funerals in just the last few months. Although we've also had a lot of baptisms during that time as well. But I know for a fact that there are several people here right now that are coming to Easter grieving. And if you are among them, uh, what I would say to you is this gentle reminder of something that, quite frankly, it took me a, a, a while to figure out or at least notice and that I kind of ignored back in the earlier versions of Easter, which is to say that in all four versions of the story, Easter, always, every time, begins at a grave. And it ends with life. So for me, this time around, I think I got my first dose of Easter actually last January, curiously. Uh, and it happened in the kitchen of uh, my house, where, where we live. And it was a day when I was getting ready to come to church. And I mean, I was quite frankly, you know, feeling a lot of heartache, feeling a lot of loss. I was on my way from the kitchen to the garage to get in the car to come to the church. And I'm standing there and, you know, coat on, bag in one hand, coffee in the other hand. I looked at my wife and I shook my head and I said to Patty, death is everywhere. Uh, without a moment's hesitation, she looked at me, cracked a smile, and she said, resurrection is everywhere. Boom. There went the earthquake. You know, that was the moment when the grave starts to turn into the garden. And I could just about hear that stone starting to roll away when this woman, who has obviously seen the Lord in her life, reminds me of a love that is stronger than death, stronger than guilt, stronger than your confusion, bigger, better, greater than all of it. And it's got power to let me live and cause me to live this whole brand new life. And thank you very much, Patty, for giving me a little Easter back in January. As I said to her before I left the house, uh, you know, one of us ought to be the pastor of St. Andrew today, and I don't think it's me. <laughs> but right she is. Uh, the resurrection is everywhere. And it's here to remind you that if you're in the grave of grief and loss, that we are part of a family that not even death can ultimately destroy, thanks to the resurrection. Resurrection's everywhere. When you're in the grave of your guilt and you need to hear those words, your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You got a new beginning. You got a new life. Resurrection is everywhere when you're searching for your identity and you come face to face with the word of one who gives you a mission of hope. And so, you know, at the end of the day, maybe my snarky response to David's question wasn't too bad after all. I'm going to go with the resurrection. 
And all four of those wonderful, slightly different complementary versions of the story, including the perspectives and the point of view that you might be bringing with you this time around today. And the last thing I want to say uh, before I close is how thankful I am that I've also seen the Lord. You know, like Mary and the others. Maybe not exactly uh, in that same way, but I have seen him in a church that St. Paul has nicknamed the body of Christ, where I'm telling you he is very much alive in the hearts of people who love him. I have seen the Lord. I have seen him in the lives of sisters and brothers in this congregation who stood at a grave and proclaimed the victory of Easter. That one powerful moment. I saw him a week ago Saturday uh, in the family room as a woman stood next to her husband talking to a group. She's crying as she talks about how hard it was for her to come to this country and what a family she has found here at St. Andrew. I've seen him in church members, staff members, musicians, people who take up hundreds, thousands of different tasks, not because they have to, but because they want to, for the glory of God and for the care of human beings like you and me. And so I believe in Easter. I believe in the resurrection because of history's greatest day. Uh, I believe that the resurrection is everywhere uh, because of the testimony of those four gospel writers. But I also believe in the resurrection because of the living church that I can see right now, right in front of my eyes. And I thank you for that. And I thank God for that. And I welcome you to this place where a new identity is proclaimed, where love flows, where forgiveness is given, where guilt and shame are taken away because of the cross and the empty tomb. Because we need all those things, all of us do, and we all have them because Christ is risen. And so uh, a blessed Easter to all of the peeps who are with us here at St. Andrew. May you have a great day in the Lord. May you go with the resurrection and maybe enjoy a little hip hop. And whether it happens in this house or in the kitchen of your house or someplace else, may God turn your graves into gardens so that you can enjoy the freedom, the forgiveness, the comfort, the hope, the grace, the life God has for you and me, in him, with him, forever. Amen.